Since times before history, we've been gathering around our fires to tell stories. Join us as we play through multiple role-playing game systems, looking for one that's the perfect fit for our next campaign, and hopefully showing you some options that are out there for your own games. Welcome to the Fireside Stories. Hello, barbarians, and welcome to this, what we think is most likely the final episode of our Numenera Fireside Story. It's been a long road getting from here to there, but here we are. I'm Rainy. I'm Santiago, and this is allergy season. I'd like to apologize thoroughly in advance for any sort of allergy season-related sounds you may be, you know, have inflicted on you. By me, my bad. I will do my best to edit all of them out because I am sensitive to those sounds. As am I. But man, it's been a rough kickoff to allergy season here in the high desert. No, that is true. You had like a 20 sneeze attack this morning. It was gross. And I mean, I felt like my whole body was going to explode into a million Legos. Now that we have thoroughly grossed you out with allergy talk, we want to say thank you. Yes, thanks. As always in this series, to our dear, wonderful brother friend in California, Jesse S., who has gifted us with this Numenera Core rulebook so that we could run this game. I feel like there should be like a fanfare sound right here. Hooray. All right, editing note. Insert fanfare noise. <laughs> yeah. Or cheering crowd or whatever. Right. All right. Ticker tape? Can you do ticker tape in audio? Crinkly paper noise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you would like to share the love and also say thank you to Jesse because you are liking this fireside story, please check him out on Instagram at grandpays, G-R-A-N-P-A-Y-S. There's also a link in the description for this episode. He is super awesome has all sorts of fun pictures and takes commissions for custom yarn craft. So definitely check him out, say hello and help us say thank you. Cause this was super nice. Yeah. Get yourself a custom knitted Rosinante from the expanse. Oh yeah. Challenge his skills. <laughs> It'd be hilarious. All right. So last time on Numenera fireside story, You traveled to the Embered Peaks, found a village there where the people seemed a little crazy. A little out of sorts. A little little crazy. Yeah. A little violent. Right. A little strange. A little Um, uh, purge planet-y kind of. A little purgy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you did talk to someone who seemed... Well, you were looking for someone who was kind of a bully that you could intimidate and get information from. Mm -hmm. What you found was a pretty tough lass who was just kind of holding her own amidst the chaos. Yeah. And she kind of directed you towards the form of the dead. Yeah, I I stepped to her. And then when she didn't back down, I kind of took her aside and was like, look, sister, I'm not really part of this. And we had a little little heart to heart. And it was pretty True. cool. Yes. So you went to this building in the center of town. You saw a young man who worked there, it looked like. Um, he told you everyone was gone and that the magistrate wasn't seeing anyone. And you um, picked him up and put him aside and he ran away. Yeah, and then in in retrospect, I was like, I should have had him open the door. Oh, man. Yeah. Missed opportunity. But as the title of the last episode informs, doors are for wizards and nerds. Because you don't need doors. When there's like puzzle locks and stuff like that, you're like, no, thank you, Satan. Not today. (laughs) Where we're going, we don't need doors. And so you (laughs) broke a window found a button, and then busted down a metal door that required a password. This is true, because I couldn't figure out the password. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Not that much attempt was made at any such thing. Right. And that's part of the reason I love tabletop RPGs and stuff like that, because you never... 
I mean, I won't say never, but you rarely run into that situation like in a video game type of RPG where you're standing in front of a wooden door with like a normal like metal lock type of knob and keyhole situation. And you're like, chicka, chicka, chicka. you don't have the like, you know, whatever key. And you're like, yeah, but I have a 12 gauge. So I'm kind of feeling like I don't need the whatever key. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you never run into that. In, in this type of, you know, game. And that's why I think they're yeah, a lot especially of ways superior. If it's being run in a friendly way. I mean, I'm sure a right. DM could just be like, nope, it's locked. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you're going to have to do better than that <laughs> for this to work. <laughs> so where we really left off mm. is you partially glowing, breathing heavy with a metal door clunked down in front of you dramatically. Right. With like... Looking into a room. Oh, yeah. Fist-shaped, like, punches. Dense in, in it. it. Dense, yeah. yeah. Looking into a room that seems to be filled with shrouded corpses who have had their heads shaved and they all have, like, a black mark on their head. And kind of in the middle of the room was a man leaning over a corpse attached to a machine of some kind with his ear next to the corpse's mouth as the mouth appears to be making words. Well, the, the lips move in and gas escaping and it's like he's whispering. Yes. Whispering secret and nefarious evils. Well, I mean, I guess you could assume evils. That's fine. That's what I would assume given this context. All right. So... As all this is happening, you see the man leaning over the body. Is there anything you want to immediately do? Or are you going to kind of watch or how do, would you like to proceed? I would like to watch and see if there's anything I can ascertain about this situation by observing the machine, observing the listener, observing the whisperer, uh, so on. Uh, I'm keeping the lookout for any kind of clues and stuff like that as far as like, okay, the quote-unquote dead guy who's whispering is hooked up to a machine does it look like maybe uh this hookup has been transferred from one body to another numerous times or just once in any given order that sort of thing mm -hmm. um and then after that the guy who's listening is he writing stuff down is he typing into something is he manipulating like a control of any kind okay. or is he just kind of standing there wrapped is he what what's he what's his deal and what is the machine doing as far right. as anything obvious so so you do see that the corpse at the device is connected in some way to the machine he has something stuck to his head which has kind of a tube that's feeding into the main part of the machine that you can see. Okay. The place where the instrumentation is attached seems to match up with the mark that's on the other corpses' heads. I see. Hmm. Okay. And as you're kind of looking around, you see the man who's leaning over the body. He sort of shakes his head in disappointment, turns slowly towards you, and you can see that his... Clothing is very carefully tended. Um, he has kind of very regal-looking robes. He has a silver rectangular pin at his throat and a little circular bit of metal that he's holding in his right hand. All very clean, very shiny. And as he looks at you, there's no surprise on his face. He just says, Are you here to hinder me or to help me? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on here. But I'm not going to say I'm here to help. I'm not going to say hinder. Um, I am here to get to the bottom of what is causing the changes in the town above. Whether that helps or hinders you remains to be seen. And he sort of waves at you dismissively and seems to go back to what he's doing, sort of wrapping the body that's at the machine to kind of move it with the others. And as he does, he sort of just talks to you because okay. he seems to be not very interested in engaging with you very directly since you didn't say you're there to help him. 
Sure. Okay. So he's like, you have to understand the history of this order and the resurrection machine. Uh, It's very complicated. You see, in early times, we didn't understand exactly what it did. It was always called the resurrection machine, but you see, it doesn't actually raise the dead. It brings them back long enough to answer a single question. But they always answer it with a lie. And I've asked the wrong question yet again, he says, and he continues to prepare the body. The one he was just listening to. Yeah. He's shrouding it in the same purple fabric that the others are wrapped in. Okay. So these uh, bodies, they look fresh at all, or do they look mummy style? No, they look rather fresh. Huh. They're all in very good condition. Okay. It's kind of weird. It doesn't seem to wash with his story that uh, in times of old that, like, whatever, like, how does your order perpetuate itself if all your members are dead? Are you asking him something? Oh, Um, (laughs) I mean, I don't know if I want to necessarily get embroiled in a logical debate with this guy, but, um, I I will approach the resurrection machine and see if, if he'll freak out as I do. So not in a charging way or whatever, but just a casual stroll. Like, wow, this is fascinating. So as you walk up, he like kind of pushes a broom into your hand. Make yourself useful if you're not helping me, you know, do something. And he, like, moves on away from the machine. Cool. I'll take it in the hand that he handed it to, look at it, transfer it to the other hand, and place it against the wall, (laughs) continue on towards the resurrection device. Sure. It's definitely one of the ancient machines that you've heard about in various tales, especially from travelers. Um, There are... A lot of synth and glass and metal components to it and these sort of rubber-like hoses. There is a sort of a bed, like what we would think of kind of like a, an exam table Okay. that the body would go on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then these various hoses kind of like allow a piece to kind of be stuck to the forehead, plunger style. Then you note there's another plunger that's in the bubbling water. And then there are all these sort of tubes and conduit that seem to go down into the floor. Okay. And otherwise, behind the exam table, it's just kind of a metal wall with lights and whatnot. Yeah, there's um, various sort of metal and synth-looking boxes Um, that the tubes feed into, and then that kind of glass container with the bubbling water. Okay. So I'm looking for something um, shiny that I can lay a palm onto. Sure. As I stand next to it and consider what this piece of ancient machinery might be. Okay. So if you'd like to try to roll something to intuit what this might be. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that I get a feel for it when I touch it. Using sort of your sense that you have? Right, my my intuition that has been growing in terms of um, the cybernetic because of my um, focus. Right. And my connection with my implants for lack of a better term sure and maybe by touching it there can be some sort of communication between the two or resonance at the very least right and that may give me enough of an edge to um overcome my deficit in terms of academia and lore okay So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and make an intellect roll. But we're using your skill that allows you to assess sort of like danger and value and that sort of thing, right? Right. So, let's see here. That's going to bring your difficulty down to three natively. Okay. Which is going to be a nine or better. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. 
17. Okay. So as you touch the machine, and again, the, the man in the room doesn't really seem to be taking much mind of you. Like as you move to touch it, he says, this, it's an ancient device. It survived worse than you. And like, you know, continues with what he's doing and keeps talking, but you start to lose focus on what he's saying. And as you touch the metal, you can feel a sort of pull from below. And there are flashes of confusion and fear, anger, and a desire for freedom. Okay. So now is a good time to ask my question of this guy, which would be, I'll pull my hand back and examine it for any change or anything like that. And I'm assuming not noticing much. It still looks like my hand. Yeah. You do notice um, the underlying architecture glowing softly where you made contact with the machine. Okay. So they might be kindred, which is interesting because that was my hypothesis from the jump. So I'll ask this guy first of all what is your name old fool oh well i'm magistrate urine of course of course well then did you did you not come here to see me everyone comes here to see me it seems how is it that this order of yours perpetuates itself when all of its members are dead oh it was not always so we are a long-lived order. Once this machine was found here in this strange, safe mountain community, we built up the order, well before my time, of course. And this ancient machine was here, and soon they did determine that it caused the dead to speak. Of course, there was much confusion about that at first, because you put the dead in the machine, and you ask the question, and they answered, but at first they didn't know that they answered with a lie. Imagine marriages ruined, friendships destroyed, as these corpses tell lies to their loved ones. <laughs> uh, well, we did decipher that soon enough, and so those in the region who knew of our order would bring their dead to ask one last thing of them, knowing that the answer would be untrue, which hopefully would allow them to decipher the truth of it. But you see the machine, well, you can see it is a machine, but I don't, it wasn't always a machine. It seems whoever made it, made it from a man. And I know his name, but I couldn't tell you much more about him. Hmm, that is interesting. They made the machine from a man, and he's a man under the mountain, and he wants out. Okay, that makes sense. You see, I think for some reason of late, he's been quite unhappy, I suppose. And I, I did what I thought I could do. I, I thought if I asked the right questions then I would learn how to fix it. Because it started, he started affecting the minds of those nearby. Creatures at first, inciting them to violence, requiring an increase in guards and making travelers on the road less safe. And, and then in town, humans nearby falling to madness. And so... I've, of course, the, the priests, those in the order, were willing sacrifices to try to get the information we sought. And I, I've killed as many as I dare and learned nothing. So that sounds evil. But I would rather this order be gone, this machine. I would have not at all if it would just not destroy this town. And that seems good. <laughs> all right. So, these all around, these are my brothers. I'm the last. And I... Borregal is driving this place to madness, and I fear it's getting worse. Hmm. I, I need your help. I'd like to place my hand back on the machine 
to see if I can commune with the man under the mountain again. But this time, I just want to get a general sense of, is this thing evil or is it good? Okay. Just generally. Sure. So it's going to be the same difficulty right now. So mm-hmm. nine or better on your die. All right. Here we go. Wish us luck. The fate of the world rests on this roll. 19. Okay. That's a really good roll. So we're going to add a bit of an effect, a bit of flair on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as you touch the machine again, you, you do get those disjointed flashes. And then your mind flashes back to Saria. Um, the time that she accidentally brushed your skin. And for a moment, you could hear her speaking in your mind. And this feels exactly the same. But what you feel from the mind in here is not good or evil. It's sort of this madness that comes from like solitary confinement, just a panicked sort of scrabbling. Okay. So. But very powerful. What I'm thinking is we have a couple of options. We can, we can try to put the dude back to sleep. Because until they started messing with it, it was fine. It's like dormant, maybe. Mm. We can try to um, unleash, you know, free the guy, right? Let him out, and hopefully that'll be what he wants and can stop driving the countryside mad. Mm -hmm. Third, we can try to wall him up, close him off. Like, lock them down. So, close the uh, influence off for good. Sever the connection. And I think that third one, I don't know how I would figure that out. Because it's already, like, buried under everything and has this machine and stuff like that. Yeah. So, I don't know how we would do that. Um, so, I think I just have to try to commune with this thing more... Not necessarily directly, but more succinctly Mm. in terms of finding out what it wants, um, what it intends to do, but also let it know the effect that it's having. Right. So these are more sending like projections of these concepts and feelings the other way along this conduit I seem to have established. Mm. By showing him the um, ravaging uh, hellhound things and the swarms of uh, jellyfish doobies that sure. are attacking villages, the people, the, the damage that's being caused, and the people, you know, um, every man's hand turned against another, that, that whole thing. Sure. And, and the, the havoc that's being wrought by this, by their influence. And kind of lay that at their feet and then follow that up with uh, what can we do so that you stop doing that? Okay. So you're going to try to commune again with that in mind? Yeah. So make another roll. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, no. Two. <laughs> okay. You get the distinct impression that like your hardware isn't really good at communicating with him. Um, but something about you lets some interfacing happen, but it's difficult, but you feel like part of the issue is distance that he's still very far away from you. And so as you continue to kind of touch the machine and you seem to go into this sort of state where you're communing, um, urine comes over and he kind of looks at you and he's like looking around you and stuff like that at what you're doing. He says, oh, shall I take you down to him? You can kill him, free him, whatever it is you think you need to do, but I cannot. I don't know the answer here. (laughs) And you see that he is pulled from one of the nearby like prep tables for the corpses. This long handled device that has what looks sort of like a pinwheel at the end. 
that's all slicey blades. Hmm. And he like hands it over to you. <laughs> oh he says, in case you need it, I don't know what your plan is for down there, but I'm happy to bring you to him. Getting ready to jack the dude and then he hands it to me instead yeah. of tries to hit me with it. Like, uh, I'm a bit nonplussed right now. <laughs> like, I don't know how to react in this situation. See, there's a passage that continues to lead. And he, as he's handed you this horrible bladed thing, he's just walking towards this like circular kind of inset in the stone on the far wall. Okay. And as he walks up, he touches the stones around it in a certain way. And this door irises open. Nice. And so, you can see the pathway beyond is filled with light. Okay. So, so much going on here. So first of all, this crazy old guy who seems like a bad guy at first, but then seems to have more, I don't know, pure motivations and best interests at heart, uh, <laughs> hands me basically the weapon from the seminal 1980s masterpiece Crawl on a stick. On a stick, yes. <laughs> he hands Name me of the episode. He hands me a curl on a stick. And then I have this like, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey door open and, you know, the light flooding out and all that kind of stuff. And is is he just like gesturing me through here or is he like no, leading the way? No, he's talking and walking towards the door. Okay, cool. He's I continuing mean, to go on. About like, I just, I wish I knew how to resolve this, this Borregal. Never have we had this issue with him in all of these years at our order. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. My I'll brother is him, all for uh, naught. I'll follow him at a respectful, a.k.a. can get the drop on him distance. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to see if my spidey sense is tingling at all. Okay, so um, go ahead and make a roll. This will be still difficulty three since you're using your spidey sense. Ooh, 20. Okay. I don't you... remember if that's good or bad in this system. 20 is good. It's major effect. Okay, good. Okay. You get the sense that this poor man, in an attempt to save this town that he actually cares about, has had to do horrible things. And he's not quite tethered to reality as well as he could be. So you think his intentions are likely good, but what he's done to try to fix things has broken him. Okay. You notice as he walks ahead of you that the pathway seems to slant down very sharply. It's going deeper. And you can like hear his voice sort of trail away because the, you know, the tunnel moves out and down, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And from below, you get a great sense of power. The potential for danger is very high, depending on how, what you decide to do. I see. Okay. Cool. Sounds good. As you follow him at a distance that allows you to get the drop, as you say. Mm. And he continues to talk the whole way down. You can see that the tunnel sort of just ends. There's no door or anything. It opens up into this triangular room. It's quite large. And most of the room is taken up with this gelatinous mass. It looks like a thousand translucent black bubbles with glowing red interiors and attached to the wall with like cords and conductors and those pipes and things you were noticing that lead up to the room you came from. Mm -hmm. It looks a bit like this. It's excellent artwork because it is mind-bending and I have no idea what I'm looking at sort of way. Yep, so for you, this is obviously completely alien. You've never seen anything like this before. Mm. And as you kind of tear your eyes away from this thing, you can see that there are bits of mechanical things and machinery strewn about and piled up. It kind of gives the room the impression of like a tech junkyard, like work was being done here and then abandoned. Mm -hmm. So my, uh, my eyes are just doing that very human tendency thing of starting to see patterns where there maybe aren't any. 
So there are plenty of eyes and faces and gaping mouths in this thing. At least apparently. So since you rolled a 20 on your last check, I'm going to let you notice something. Mm -hmm. You get the distinct impression, almost like a kindred sort of resonance with um, a long metal pole, like a staff-like pole that's among the detritus on the ground here. Okay. It's very plain looking, but something in you is like, hmm, this is interesting. Okay. But before you have a chance to go grab it, you can immediately sort of hear a voice in your head and you can tell from the way that the magistrate postures that he can hear it too and it's painful to him. Hmm. It's some nonsense words, a language you don't really understand, and then a sense of panic, and then a plea for help in a language you know, and then cries of, like, just sort of muffled, mumbled pleading. Okay. I'll try to think back at it, if possible, um, asking what it's going to do if we help it. All right, uh, go ahead and make your roll. Here we go. And this is going to be a difficulty four, so that's 12 or better. Can do. 14. All right. Just barely. As you try to think back at it, you get something is kind of pulling you. That contact is really necessary because you lack the tools to communicate telepathically. Okay. You know, that makes sense. That's how I did it last time. All right. First of all, we're going to examine the crawl on a stick a little more closely. Sure. To see if we can notice any distinct markings or indentations, buttons or controls or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. I mean, you have a pretty good knack for weaponry. I don't think this is even worth a roll. I, the thing is kind of like a giant seam ripper. Okay. Um, hmm. You think it could be used for a couple things. One, definitely running through large pieces of fabric, but in similar ways, rending in a very clean line, um, leather or flesh, um, particularly maybe to be prepared um, post-death, like if you needed to remove organs or embalm or things like that. This is a flesh seam ripper. Okay, a, a flesh rotary cutter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, gross. Also cool. Um, let's go over to the uh, staff on the floor then. Okay. We'll go over there and hunker down and put the uh, crawl on a stick down next to it and pick up the staff and see if if there's anything remarkable about it or, you know examine it closely. Sure. So as you pick up the staff, you note that the long shaft of it is actually synth material. It's not really metal. But as you pick it up out of the pile of junk, you notice it does have a metal bit at the end that kind of makes a T at the top. It's about a foot long. Hmm. And at that metal end, there are telltale periodic arcs of electricity. You believe this may be a shock staff or similar, an artifact of some power. Hmm. Would you like stats for your new weapon? <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Because okay. so far, the artifacts that I've had access to are a lullaby blanket and an everlasting bottle of spray and well, wash. Well, those are oddities. Right. Yeah, this is an artifact, which is your first true magic item. That's not a cipher, because ciphers are single use, right? Right. Artifacts are longer term items. Okay. Okay. So this is um, a five foot long staff that if you successfully attack with the end of it, the metal end, gives an electrical shock which inflicts three points of speed damage specifically. So it empties speed pool instead of might, and it stuns the victim. So they lose their next turn. Okay. Anytime you use it, I'm just letting you know, you're going to roll 1d10, and if you roll a 1, it's going to lose its charge, so you won't be able to use it for a while. 
Okay. Sound good? Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. And as you pick up this, this artifact, this ancient device, the panic that you hear in your head grows. Huh. All right. Well, let's see if we can uh, find what looks like, I don't know, some kind of terminal or plant or dais or, I don't know, something. Anything in this uh, jumble of whatever this is. There is the mass, if you would like to approach it. Yeah, let's uh, let's approach it. I mean, I don't know if I want to touch a gelatinous mass. I was looking for something more machinery style to to lay hands on. Sorry. To try to commune with. Nope. Okay, yeah, no, you got there's the goo. there's just the goo. Well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Let's go lay a hand on the goo. The mass is slightly soft and very warm to the touch. Uh, it doesn't really move or respond to the act of touching it. It doesn't seem to have those kind of nerves, you know, no sensors in that way. But as you touch it and as you're closer to it, you can see there's a seam that runs along the bottom and back of the mass where it joins to the wall. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but you are, you are touching the soft, warm mass of gooey okay. spheres. Well, let's try to commune with the, uh, the entity All right, again. difficulty four, so 12 or better. Difficulty four, son. All right, coming right up. And this is intellect if you were going to spend any points. Too late. Roll an eight. <laughs> Too late. It's an eight. All right. You are getting just messages of utter panic and pleas for release, and it's hard to push through that. Okay. Well, I don't know how to release this thing is the thing. And I don't know if I want to release the thing is the thing. Right. So I have to get some assurance of its intentions because I don't want to be the guy who meddles with forces I don't understand and unleashes a new, you know, horror upon the, the earth. Sure. So I got to look around for some other way to commune with this thing. Um, what's up with that, uh, that seam you were saying at the back? Let's check that out. Yeah, so this is definitely synthetically created. If there is a man or some part of him somewhere in here, you don't see it. This is all sort of this strange goo, and then there are these sort of sacks, basically, that connect to the tubing at the wall. And this sack-like area, because of the way it's constructed, has a seam along the bottom and up towards the wall where that material is made in basically a tube-like shape to conduct whatever is in here towards those tubes or away from those tubes. Hmm. It's hard to tell what direction it goes in. Yeah, we're definitely monkeying with stuff we don't understand. So That's the name of the game. It's, it's tough to know what... Like, literally. Yeah. Numenera refers to this weird stuff. Yeah. That's the artifacts and machinery. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So, so that's good. And that's well done. I feel like severing this tube will have one, uh, one effect or another, you know. Uh, I want to see if maybe if I brandish the, uh, the shock staff at the goo, if it increases the level of uh, fear and panic that I, mm -hmm. that I get or not. Okay. So you brandish the weapon sort of threateningly mm -hmm. at the mass. Yeah. Um, I need you to go ahead and make um, an intellect roll. And this is going to be difficulty five, which is 15 or better. Okay. Let's just keep it there. See what happens. 11. Not a bad roll, but... Not good enough. Not going to get there this time. So as you functionally threaten the thing you feel and hear like this piercing screech in your mind and you are going to take three intellect damage from oh. your intellect pool oh no down to 33 percent so even in this current state, it does seem to have some defense. Hmm. Okay. 
It wants to defend itself. Yeah. But it did see this as a threat is the takeaway here. So not a complete loss. Right. And you do notice that the magistrate clutches his head when this happens and collapses to the floor. Hmm. Okay. Poor guy. (laughs) Um, hmm. Well, what next? Yeah, I gotta figure out. I gotta keep trying, I guess, to see if I can find out what I should do here with this. Um, if there's any, hmm, kind of look around, maybe see if there's anything that jumps out as far as, uh, you know, any kind of information at all, any kind of script or lights or anything other than this like crazy bulbous bag leaf blossom red light thing in front of me. All right. Um, you can go ahead and, and make a roll. It's going to be 12 or better by default. All right. 17. Okay. So looking around the room, again, you see random piles of tech and things like that. If you wanted to take the time, you could certainly look through it to see if there's anything else of interest. Um, you notice the seam and its connection to the tubes in the wall that seem to lead to the device that's upstairs. Um, And you also notice something that's sort of like a switch on the wall, sort of underneath part of the mass. Okay. So we have a switch. You have a seam. You have a switch. You have weapons and piles of things. (laughs) You have many options for how to proceed. Oh, goodness. All right. Um, And you can try to commune with him again if that's what you want to do. Yeah, let's give communication one more try. Okay. Because I'm going to err on the side of shutting this thing down, locking it down. Right. And locking this thing away forever in the hopes that I can sever its connection to the outside world. Uh, Unless I can get a sense of uh, benevolence and genuine desire for freedom and sincerity and so on. from it to Mm -hmm. where freeing it would be the right thing to do. I'm not going to free Willie if Willie turns out to be Cthulhu is what I'm saying. Right. So again, normal difficulty for this is four, which is 12 or better, but you can always choose to spend points if you're willing to. I know intellect's not your highest pool though. You have taken some damage there. Yeah. I only have three left. That's going to cost me what? Two to roll up. I want because you don't have an edge there. I mean, that would drop me to zero. Yeah. So I can't, I have to just try my best. 19. Oh, all right. So this means that you do get a minor effect as well. Okay. So I'll give you kind of the generic thing that happens, and you can let me know what sort of change, modification, or addition you want to add to that. Sure, a minor minor change. Yep. Okay, cool. So with your hand on the soft exterior of this mass, you focus, thinking back to the way it felt when Saria spoke in your mind and the way that your new internal structure responded to that. And you're kind of pushing the other way. You're trying to sort of reverse that flow. And as you do, you're able to do kind of, as you said before, like give these ideas of things that are happening because of whatever is going on here. And you're listening for a response, right? Because you're kind of trying to get an idea of if it's evil or wonky or what it's trying to do, right? Right. And you get the sense that in a panic, this creature, this Borregal, has been just reaching and reaching farther and reaching farther and trying to connect with anything that could understand that he needed help because he's trapped here. And he just wants out. Okay. Hmm. I have to find out... (sighs) what it is that the Borigal or Borigal, if that's a proper name, what, what it does, what does it do? You know, because to, um, to Plankton, you know, a whale seems, you know, evil, (laughs) but it's just doing what a whale does. And so I don't want to be the Plankton in that scenario. Um, 
So you can't really approach it in terms of right, uh, right or wrong. It has to be more in terms of what. So because if it just exists like a, you know, a, a, an aspen grove, well, right. okay, great. Well, let, let's set you free. If it's a giant like jellyfish type thing that's going to drag miles wide swaths of tentacles across sure. the land, sucking up every living thing, that probably is bad. So, so do you want to use your effect to get a sense of what he is? Yes. Okay. If possible. So continuing to reach in, and it's almost like you're starting to see into the mass and into this like sack-like structure that's there. And you see, although it's fuzzy, it's hard to see through this goo that's in here, but you see parts and pieces, not the whole thing, but something that was human. Huh. But the way that it feels to you feels like a beal, like... Like the girl feels. Okay. Huh. Well, then it seems like it's a person trapped inside this machine. So the whole machine thing isn't necessarily the entity that we're dealing with. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. So. And you sort of feel this click almost as what you're beaming to him starts to get through. And now that panic is turning into guilt and fear. Mm, okay. And in your mind, a voice much clearer now says, Please, don't kill me. I, I just want freedom. They trapped me here against my will so long ago. Mm. I don't desire to hurt anyone. I just want help. Let's see if we can use our special skill for lies and trickery. Sure. To see whether I believe this guy. Okay. So 12 or better. Sporagal is currently a level four. 15. All right. His plea seems very sincere. It seems that he, in his attempt to just reach with the raw power that he has, he wasn't aware of the chaos he was causing. As a Beal, potentially, he was trying to connect with other minds who could understand him and not getting very far. So that all washes with Saria's, with what she said. So between her testimony with the innocence of a child and my insight to lies and trickery, mm -hmm. it's good enough for me. You know, I believe the guy. So now I have to figure out how to get him out. All right. And so the voice in your head says, will you free me? Yes. And you can see in your mind what you've already found before. Like your vision in your head is being directed towards the switch. The switch. Okay, cool. Well, let's go over to the switch. Okay. You are at the switch. We've walked to the switch. It's so you're like kind of blank. half hunched under part of the mass. It's a switch on the wall under where the mass connects to the tubes. Okay, cool. I feel like this would be something that would be kind of neat and like alien. You know, it wouldn't mm -hmm. be just like a lever sticking out. Oh, no, of the it's wall. not like a light switch. Or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Or, or similar, or even like a pressure panel or something mm -hmm. like that. It would be like. I've just, I've been able to discern that it functions as a switch, but looking at it, it would be like somewhat hemispherical, but on closer examination, it's um, polyhedral, you mm -hmm. know, almost like a compound eye of an insect. And yeah. And certain... there are obvious like depressions in it where like fingers would go, but they're not the right number. Or the right length yeah. or shape or orientation. Yeah, exactly. And... You look at some of the, the vertices of the, the, the angles described by the facets on this thing, and some of them seem to exist up and down at the same time, and, and your, your mind just kind of skitters away from this thing because it's so weird and, you know, wonky, alien. So, but without further ado, much like the uh, climax of Total Recall, look at the weird handprint. 
try to move his hand into the closest semblance that he can of it, making some weird gang sign type of uh, manipulation and slap it onto the switch and see if he can flip it for lack of a better term. Right. And as you do, it's almost as if the glow that's in all of these orbs kind of is pulled to the area of the switch like it's drawing power away from the mass and everything kind of goes dim and then you can see the sack like part of the mass droop as like everything sort of loses power Hmm. and then it starts to drip and leak this like softly glowing but quickly fading sort of reddish particle light in this goo and then the seam starts to come apart and in a wet flump onto the floor below is this grayish thing that looks like it was probably a brain at some point but it's almost unrecognizable with age and use and as it hits the floor, you can see it softly is pulsing. Oh. And okay. then you notice that items from around the room, bits of tubing and metal and synth, start sliding across the floor towards the brain. Okay. And then you can see the items start to sort of assemble around it. And pretty soon, the brain is not very visible anymore. It's this mass of these, like, sort of tube-like noodly structures, right? That it's just pulled from all the trash around it. And it starts to floppity roll towards you. Hmm. Okay. And it's the size of, like, a small dog at this point. <laughs> okay. And as it flops over, it says, I, I thank you very much for your assistance. I promise to you this, I will not assemble anything further than this, just enough to move about. But it seems I am in your debt. I am Borogal. <laughs> so Connie's going to be looking at this, having watched this, uh, you know, Meccano dog Boston Robotics thing coalesce out of the random junk onto this brain. So now it's this kind of crane looking thing yeah. that scuttles <laughs> around. And then, and then it comes up to be like, sup G to me. He's just kind of standing there just like, eh, like, like, like in a gape, not bad face, just completely like what the fuck <laughs> just happened. And as you're staring at it, you can feel Borgal connecting to your mind once again and he says ah you are pursued well i can tell you they are not far from you now pursued pursued by what it seems they think you have done them some wrong or at least that's what they have told others oh those guys pursuing me right kind of lost sight of my overarching backstory (laughs) here for a second okay well and he says truly it is best we are off unless you have business you'd like to attend to here and he starts like flappity flapping Mm -hmm. up the tunnel no he's like come friends we have many places to go flappity 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 perhaps it would be wise to assemble just a little bit more for uh ambulatory purposes And he flappity flaps back down and starts rolling around the room to look for things. And he starts pointing out things that might be of value to you. He says, oh, this, yes, this produces light and a slight breeze when activated. And oh, over here, notice this gemstone in this metal circle. This causes dreams where you always eat your favorite foods. And over here, and he's like just kind of rolling through the junk. And as he is pointing out these things with the flappity noodle arm, um, you can see a little bit more assemblage into something that looks vaguely like some sort of synth mechanotron, still very small, 
but something that looks more like maybe you looted it out of a ruin or something and just follows you around. Okay. And so he has these little legs and these little noodly appendages still covering the brain part, but he seems a little bit more able to like hop around a bit and mm. things like that. Okay. And maybe something defensive, like a carapace or similar, you know, like kind of knock on my own cranium, like, you know what I mean? He says, oh, I, I see, I see. And he keeps scuttling around. And as you direct him, you get something that's basically a sort of synth shell with conduit noodles and these metallic sort of tripod legs. Man, I have a corgi flying spaghetti monster thing yeah okay great sounds pretty awesome well yeah now i think is the time to flee and we don't need to go back and say goodbye to the townsfolk or anything like that you know i told them you know i'm gonna go check this out and and all of that so i don't think they'll be missing me yeah so as you leave the forum with your new companion in tow um, you notice that the feel of the town is already different. There is still a lot of confusion and pain here, but not that aggression that you were feeling before. And you get the distinct sense from Borregal of sort of like a sorrow, like of pain he didn't know he was causing as he, you know, <laughs> tripods on behind you. <laughs> and as you head back towards the road to head west, he says... We are only a day ahead of them, friend. Then we should make all haste. The area will take some time to recover as creatures. Some fall back to old habitats. Some driven this direction by Borregal's cries for help. Um, find new migratory patterns, changing this area potentially for a long time to come. People need to rebuild, need to forgive each other. But as you head west towards civilization, towards crowds, towards hopefully safety, you now have a new companion who can see into the minds of others. Hmm. And who knows a whole lot about um, oddities and ciphers and mm -hmm. artifacts and all sorts of stuff. All right. And that's, that's where we're wrapping it up. Wow. Okay. I didn't know, I, I didn't know if I was going to figure that out for a minute there. Well, I mean, you had a few options, right? Mm -hmm. we'll, we can talk about it a little bit more in the patron episode. Yeah. But obviously, you could try to fight it. You could have cut it open and had things resolved that way. Yeah, sliced the sack open. Right. Or you can entreat him to allow you to turn off the device um, and then decide to do with him what you will. I mean, you could stomp on him or whatever, I suppose. But, uh, but yeah, so there you go. Handled it with limited need for combat in this one, although it could have been a very tough fight if he chose to go that route because he is very powerful. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to come down here swinging, so I was going to have to rely on my very limited intellect to get me out of the situation. And it seemed to do okay, which is pretty cool. And a testament to how versatile, you know, a character can be no matter your focus right. or specialty. Yeah, so... For those of you that enjoyed this, and we hope you all did, um, please consider joining us on Patreon to get access to the bonus episode where we'll talk a little bit through our final thoughts on the story and our thoughts on the system as a whole. Looking we'll, forward to it. We'll also give you a little bit of insight into our next Fireside story, which will be in the Expanse RPG. Ooh, man, the Expanse RPG. This is going to be good. So if you want to check out our Patreon for ways to support us or find out how to get access to lots of extra content, you can check that out on patreon.com slash just barbarian things. And speaking of patrons, we would love to give an extra thank you right now to our patrons at the techno barbarian level. So thank you to Richard and the esoteric order of role players for your support we hope you're enjoying this one. Yeah, thanks for coming out. It means a lot. If you want to give us comments, feedback, 
talk to us on the internets and tell us how cool or weird we are. Um, I'm Rainy, and you can find me in many places. Check the description, but mostly on Twitter. I'm at Barbarian Rainy. I'm Santiago. You can hit me up on Twitter at Ringugiri, or you can check out my YouTube channel. We can play some video games together or maybe get some tutorial stuff done at youtube.com slash Ringu. And until next time and next story, Barbarians, spend your rage wisely. Or don't. Just give the sack a whack. (laughs) Oh, gosh.